two great verses. Um, you know, every one of us in here, we, if we're honest, we all want to have a flourishing Christian family or even a flourishing Christian life. And we want to, want to be able to, to, to follow God and serve God with our lives. And we want, we want to be able to succeed. And in these two verses, they give us a, uh, really a, a formula, some guidance on how we can have a flourishing Christian family. And my, a few years ago, my wife was praying about wanting to have a family verse. And I kind of, to be honest, usually I'm, you know, I'll be involved in things like that, but I just felt like I'm going to let her figure out what she wants, to, what she thinks. Of them. It was her idea, and I'm like, I'm going to let her see what she comes up with. And so she was praying about it, and she came up with these two verses, and she thought this would be a perfect, perfect verses for us as a family uh, to have as our family verse. And what it means for our family verses, well, we, we quote them often, and we, we try to make it in our motto for our home. And, and uh, actually, just recently, we're going to add some other verses that we're going to have, but these are, these are the two that we, we focus on our kids, and we, we try to have this be a policy for our home. Um, these are, in this passage here, you'll see the, the Corinthians, they awaited Paul's next visit. They were waiting for his next visit, for him to come, and, and he gave them some instruction before he came. And these instructions were very brief, yet and in powerful insights on how we can all have thriving Christian lives. And we can apply them to our, our families as well. It says in verse 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, be brave, I'm sorry, stand fast in the faith, Quit ye like men, which means to be brave. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Let's read that one more time. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. You know, these verses are very powerful, and these are they're, they're, you're thinking to yourself, well, how can I find how to be a flourishing Christian uh, individual through two small verses like this? Well, we're going to work through these tonight. We're going to talk through these. I want to give you five quick qualities of, of a flourishing Christian family, okay, through these verses. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing us to, to uh, come here tonight. Lord, I thank you for allowing me, me to be able to reconnect with Pastor Warnick and and Lord, I pray that you would just bless this service now. I pray that you'd speak to us, Lord. I pray that you'd speak through me, rid me of myself, and speak to me, Lord, and help us all to learn something from this passage. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you want to have a flourishing Christian family, the first thing is, it says in this verse here, be watchful. Be watchful. You know, it's something that we all need to pay attention to. Paul says to watch. We're supposed to be watching what's going on. What's it mean to watch? It's, it says to give strict attention to, to be cautious, active, lest you fall into temptation or fall into sin. They were to be constantly watchful or alert for spiritual enemies that might slip in and threaten to destroy them, uh, whether to, it be divisions, pride, sin, disorder, erroneous theology. And that can happen anywhere. Things can slip in and ruin us if we're not watching. If we're not watching for them to come our way, we can let pride come into our life or temptations or, or, or things of uh, immorality. And they can come in slowly and just kind of weave their way into our family, into our church, into our, our marriage, and our, into our individual lives. And they can ruin us. And we, we're supposed to be watching here. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you watching for the attacks of the devil? You know, the devil, again, and this is a theme, it seems like a theme that we've been having, is, is the devil wants to destroy us. He really does. And it's a true thing. And, and sometimes the devil, I believe, he wants us to feel like this is just, oh, that's not really something that's real. 
Because he he's, he's a deceiver, but he really is trying to deceive us, trying to ruin us, trying to hurt us. So what are we supposed to be watching for? You know, we're supposed to be watching what's happening around us, what's going on around you. You know, we're supposed to be, uh, what's coming at us, the things that are trying to get past us. You know, you're familiar, you're supposed to be familiar with our surroundings. And the Bible tells us that the devil wants to, to, to hurt us. It says in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, some of you in here have seen your families hurt. Some of you in here have seen your marriages hurt. But there's healing through Jesus. But you've got to be watching for those attacks that are going to come your way. You know, going forward, you need to heal if you've been hurt, if you're struggling through that, because Satan will continue to use that to, to hurt you. Going forward, be watchful of what other attacks may come. So what are things that can hurt you? One of them, as we talked about this morning, is TV. TV can hurt your family. Stuff you watch on your television in your home. Are you being watchful? You let these things, you protect your kids from all these things around them, from hurt, bad people that could hurt them, and, and from, from people that could come and take them, or whatever might happen to your own home. You try to protect yourself, but then you'll sit down and watch stuff on your television that could ruin you, can hurt you. Even the internet, you've got to be careful what you watch. You know, I told you this morning, I met my dad for the first time in an adult film shop in the ghetto of Las Vegas. He was heavily addicted to the adult entertainment industry. And I won't go into like gory, weird details because there's kids in here, but he was addicted to that stuff. And it, he, he, he was uh, so much that he worked in theaters. He was actually uh, in films himself, and he worked in, and they also had worked in stores. He went to my uncle, who was a pastor in Las Vegas, and he, he said to him, he said, the, it, you know, and he, he said, this is, it's, and he was struggling at the time, and he said, it's like demons are just rotting my mind from all the stuff that I've seen and have done. Because this stuff will ruin us. But taking that back to just a, a, you know, maybe just a normal, more normal level, we, when we let stuff come into our home, it can hurt our kids. It can hurt our own lives. You know, I see individuals that, and, and, you know, they're not growing in their faith. They want, just watch them whatever. Going to see in whatever movies and going, and, and that stuff is not healthy for us. God doesn't want us to surround ourselves with, with evil movies or immoral movies or immoral stuff on the internet. We have to be very careful. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, this guy's a radical. I'm not. I'm not a radical in any way. I was a bus kid growing up, but I'm saying this because I've seen it hurt people. I've seen people get ruined from this. Even music, you've got to be careful what you let come into your mind. Because and I was even at the restaurant today. Yeah. I'm in, and I I'm, I'm, have my son in the restroom, and I'm waiting for him, and I'm hearing the music coming over the, the loudspeaker, and, and, and I'm like, what? These, the words of the music were so immoral. And there were certain times where the song was playing that I would just talk to my son loudly. And I was like, hey, you okay in there? You know, I was trying to, because I didn't want him to hear what was going on in that song. I didn't want him to think, you know, start thinking about what they were saying because it was terrible. It was terrible stuff for, for even me to hear, the way they were talking about immorality and stuff. You know, even with these smartphones we have, we have to be careful with them. They can hurt us. We have access to so much stuff. You know, it just used to be shameful for you to go and purchase things that, or go rent things and stuff. Now you can just access anything on your phone. You've got to be very careful with that because the devil will ruin you through these things. You know, even time. Time can be something that we have to, uh, it could, be, could hurt us. We need to be watchful of it. Are you spending enough time with your kids, with your grandkids? Do you take that time to nurture them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Do you take that time to love them? Do you take that time to be with your wife? You know, maybe you're thinking, well, we, we don't have a good marriage. Well, have you taken the time to spend with her? 
Or have you taken the time to spend with them and make, this, make them feel special? To love them like you should? I mean, they're a gift from God. And we need to be watchful how the devil wants to attack our marriages. He attacks our time and the time you spend with God. Are we taking time for God every day? Spending time with the, in the God's Word. If we, if we truly are thankful for that we get to be a Christian and we get to go to heaven when we die, are, are we willing to go and just spend five minutes with Him reading His Word? We've got to watch our time and make sure we are using our time wisely while we have it on this earth. Your life is but a vapor, the Bible says, and it'll go away. What are your priorities like? Do you focus on God and then your wife and then your kids and then everything else after, or is it, is it out of order? I want to encourage you to put it in order, and it's hard because there's so many distractions in this world, and I'm, I'm with you. With our ministry, we travel a lot. People ask us, what are you doing during the week? We're traveling, or we're, we're going and setting up, or something like that. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of stuff, and you're, I'm sure you feel the same way. There's, and, and with our life today, it, there's so much going on. With, I'm sure with, with you as well, we're, we're faced with all these different things we have to do. Got to go here, got to go there, do this, do that. And our time gets, and our priorities kind of get sometimes out of whack, and we got to refocus and say, okay, am I prioritizing God, my marriage, my relationships, my kids, my, my focusing on who I'm supposed to be focusing on? And it's not wrong to do that evaluation you know, once a week, once a month, whatever you can do. I want to encourage you to be watchful. You know, we were in, we were in Florida. Um, remember Hurricane Irma? Remember Hurricane Irma? We were down. We lived where Dominic and Carrie uh, lived. I was the youth pastor of the church down there. And somebody gave us a timeshare. Some one of our old, uh, actually the uh, people that are like my, like my dad, like Jim and Dad, the ones I talked to you about today, they gave us a timeshare as a gift for vacation to go. And so we went to Orlando, got to go, got to, go to Orlando at a timeshare. And, you know, we were so excited. We get to Orlando, we're, we're going to just go and hang out, have a great time there and do some, some activities and stuff. And we were finally away from Venice. You know, you get away, you want to go get away for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Jackie's mom calls and says, hey, there's a storm coming, okay? And I'm like, her mom, and I, and I love Sue, I love my mother-in-law, but she's my mother-in-law, and she's a little radical, okay? I'm just going to be honest, like, it could be thundering out, and you know, she might be a little nervous, okay? So I'm like, it can't be that bad, you know what I mean? It's nothing, nothing coming. And so then we start seeing, uh, you know, we're seeing all this stuff happening, and then I was at the grocery store, and I'm seeing them bringing out all this water, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, this is kind of getting weird. And, you know, Hurricane Irma was coming. And everybody in Florida was not sure where it was going to go, where it was going to end up. And, and then it started, it was supposed to di- go directly into our hometown and, and where, we, where we lived in Venice, Florida area. And we're like, okay, this is kind of, and you never know what's going to happen with these things. And so we're like, should we leave? We got a free timeshare. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this thing's nice. An Orange Lake uh, resort down there had three bedrooms, two baths. I mean, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to live there. You know what I mean? I was like, this is ridiculous. And so we're like, okay, I guess, I guess we should do something. Well, we, we went down to the office at the timeshare place, and we're, we're asking them, we're like, hey, what do you guys do for a, a hurricane? You know, I'm thinking this is Florida, and this is a huge timeshare. I mean, Orange Lake. Who's ever heard of Orange Lake before? Big timeshare place down in Florida. I mean, it's, it's a massive place in Orlando. And I'm thinking, oh, they're, they're going to have something in place. And I go to the office, and I'm like, hey, what do you guys do? And they're like, we don't really have a plan. I'm like, are you serious? You, I mean, what are you, and I said, what are you going to do with the people that are here? They're like, well, you can't stay here. I'm like, what? We can't stay here? And I'm picturing to myself, and if you've ever been to Orlando, there's a lot of, um, 
uh, immigrants and people that come into, into the country, and I'm picturing myself sweating, staying in like a little elementary school shelter or something, and I'm like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> I'm like, this is not hanging out with a bunch of people that can't even speak English. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. And I'm like, well, maybe... Maybe we should leave, okay? Maybe we should go. And so we made the hard decision. We packed up our stuff, and we decided we were just going to start driving north because the, tornado, the, the hurricane was coming in to our hometown. We're like, we can't go back to Venice. That's where we live. And so we're just going to get on I-75 and drive north. And so we, we went on I-75, drove north, stayed in a hotel, I think, in South Carolina. It was really expensive. Everybody was gouging everybody. And we, we were driving up the, the highway going on I-75, and it's like a three, you know, six-lane highway, three lanes on each side. And they're, they, everybody else, is, they're so scared getting out of Florida. They're making, everybody's driving on the berm. The berm was a fourth lane. I'm not kidding. And by the time we got to Georgia, there's a state trooper up there, and he was a brave guy. State trooper up there sitting right on the, on the berm as soon as you get into Georgia. And he's like, nope, no more, not in Georgia. And everybody had to cut back in and get, and get back into three lanes. But people were just panicking. They wanted to get out of Florida. We were nervous. You know, we were, we were worried about it. We ended up in Youngstown, Ohio, okay, where my, my brother-in-law and, and sister-in-law lived because we didn't know where to go. We're like, let's just keep going. You know, we're going to keep driving north. And so we actually had a pretty good vacation, though. It was pretty fun. Um, but we, and I, got, I think I got an extra week off from that. But yeah, it ended up being okay. Um, well, we had a good time. But you know what? We had to be watchful because we were, we were like, this is, there's something coming at us and it could hurt our family, it could hurt us, and we're like, okay, we probably should make some plans. That's the same thing with our family, with, with your family, with our families. We, need, we know that Satan's attack, attacking us, right? We know he's going to come at us. We know he's going to try to hurt us. We know there's problems going to come our way. And instead we're just like, oh, it's okay. We'll figure it out when the time comes. And then we get hit by a truck or hit by a hurricane or hit by tornadoes and struggles that come our way. And, uh, and they come at us and, and our families are in, 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 in dire need of help. And we're thinking to ourselves, why doesn't anybody help me? Well, we didn't make any plans. We didn't make any preparations. We weren't watchful. We didn't, we didn't try to avoid the storms. You know, and, and I shared 1 Peter 5, um, 5, 8, and 9, you know, how be sober, be vigilant, be, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom men may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. These verses are telling us to control ourselves. Be on guard, because the devil is our enemy like a roaring lion. He's prowling around looking for someone to chew up and swallow. But we should, we should stand up to him. We should, through God's power, we should stand firm in what we believe. All over the world, brothers and sisters in Christ are going through the same things we're facing. And they're struggling through this stuff, and we can fight it if we trust in God. It says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God will help you through it. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever trials, tribulations, temptations you're facing, God will help you through it if you submit to God. Are you willing to submit to God and trust God with whatever's going on in your life? You know, just like we watch the news and, the, and for the storms, we need to watch and trust God and watch Him and ask Him where we need to be leading our families, where we need to be taking our homes and our personal lives, how we should be growing, because if we're not doing that, we're not going anywhere. And when storms come, we're going to be stuck right there and they're going to come right at us. doesn't mean we're not going to face storms and trials, but when they come, we can be ready for them. Let's be ready. We had friends that stayed in Venice, Florida. 
during that time. I don't know, Dominic and Carrie stay down there? And they were scared. They're, we had friends who were scared to death. We have these two friends, their sisters, Missy and Heather. They thought they were going to die. Like, they thought, honestly, that they're like, our life is over, okay? The storm's coming right at Venice. And then it turned, and it didn't even hardly affect anything in Venice. Like, a branch fell down, I think. But maybe one branch. I don't know. But it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, there were still some struggles there, but it wasn't bad. But they thought they were going to die because they were watching the storm coming at them. But the people that stayed, they made preparations. They, they boarded up their windows. They, they tried to mix, make everything secure. They tried to get the supplies they needed. They tried to prepare. And this is what this is telling us, to be watchful. Be ready for that. The second thing is be steadfast. Be steadfast. If you want to have a flourishing Christian family, be watchful, but also be steadfast. It means stand fast in the faith. Standing firm, persisting, persevering in godly, moral, correct behavior or thinking all rooted in your relationship with Jesus Christ. A resolution to be faithful to God in your personal life and your home without wavering. Standing in the faith. Walking with God. Trusting Him that He's going to help you. He's going to guide you. You know, speaking of storms again, and, and I get nervous preaching this message because the last two times I preached this message, I don't preach it very often. The last two times I preached it, I, I had, they had like tornado warnings in the last two places. So if you have tornado warnings tonight, it's not my fault, okay? I'm just saying. I was down in North Carolina, they had it in April, and then I preached it in Pennsylvania in June. They had some big thunderstorms and stuff come through. I don't know if they had tornado warnings. They had some big storms there. The pastor was joking with me. He's like, hey, man, see what you did? And so if something happens tonight, it's not my fault, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not my fault, but, you know, I was driving through Indiana last year, and I'm picturing this. I'm looking through, and there's some flat places out here in the Midwest. It's a little eerie, okay? I grew up in Pennsylvania, landlocked PA, mountains all around me. Ain't much stuff happening, okay? We're not getting hurricanes. We're not getting tornadoes very often. We get snow, okay? That's about it. And not even that much snow anymore. They don't even get that much. And so where I grew up, we didn't have this stuff. I moved to Florida. They got hurricanes. I'm going to visit places like Indiana and stuff like that. And it looks like there's a tornado could rip right through there. You know what I mean? And I'm picturing, as I'm driving through there, I'm looking and thinking, man, there could be a tornado just come right through this thing. Makes you nervous. You know, and, and the thing is, though, the people in, in these places, and I don't know if they have them in Ohio or not. I don't really know much about Ohio and Indiana. I really don't. But I know that there's, do you guys have like the, the little, like on TV, the storm things where you go down in the basement, where you open up the, 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 the doors and a cellar? Do you have cellars here? Okay. We have basements in Pennsylvania, but they're just for you to hang out in or store stuff in or whatever. We don't use them for storms. Do you guys use them for, for tornadoes here? Is that what you use cellars for? And so you have a cellar, and cellars are made for you to stand firm, right? Made for you to have, have help if you're struggling. And if, if something's coming at you, you go and you stand firm there. You're not going to go out and stand in front of the tornado and say, I got this. You're going to go take some, take some refuge, right? You're going to be able to go down there and, and, and God's going to help you. And God will help you through the troubles you have. And you're going to face, you're going to face tornadoes. You're going to face struggle. You know, figuratively, in your, in your life, in your family, God will help you. It says in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, if you want your home to flourish, be steadfast in the faith through Christ. Number three is be courageous. It says there, quit you like men in this verse here. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. In other words, live like a man. Or be the man, or play the man. You know, the thing is, the question is, and this is the struggle today, we need men that are willing to stand up and be men for God. Amen. You know, and here's some definitions of what it means to be a man of God. 
Because as I travel, I see these men, I see these ladies, and they're involved in church. I see all these women involved in church, but the men. And I'm not condemning you, man. If you're, if you're faithfully serving God, then praise the Lord. It's great. But honestly, often is the case where the women, they, they're, they're serving God, but the men, they're lackadaisical in their faith. And, and, and honestly, we all as Christians should be leading. And the men, we're supposed to be leading. You know, a brave man of God. Here's, the, here's some definitions of a brave man of God. A brave man of God. And this verse tells us to quit you like men. It means to be a man. A brave man of God loves God. A brave man of God spends time every day reading God's word and praying to God. A brave man of God loves his wife unconditionally. A brave man of God raises his kids for God. A brave man of God protects his home from things that that could hurt his family. A brave man of God is stable in all his ways. A brave man of God is not not a drunkard. He's not an addict or a pervert. A brave man of God is compassionate. A brave man of God has a good testimony. A brave man of God serves his church. A brave man of God is selfless. A brave man of God has a genuine desire to see people saved, baptized, and disciples. Discipled. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a brave man of God. And I want to encourage you guys in here to be brave men of God. You know, I see all these kids that are struggling through life because none of the men in their life are stepping up to be the men. If you have kids around you that need some encouragement and help, go be the man for them. Be a man for God. Be an example. Be an example in this church. Man, we need to be the men that God's called us to be. We need to stop letting the world define what a man is. We need to step it up and be a man and focus on what God's called us to do. We need to be the husbands that God called us to be. In Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. We need to be fathers that, that God has called us to be. Ephesians 6.4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Does you see a theme here? Men, we're supposed to be good husbands and and good fathers. God's called us to do this. We must have the integrity and courage to to do what God has called us to do. You know, he wants us to serve him. You know, you hear the story of of David and Goliath and how they were just, the men there, they were nervous about Goliath and he's mocking them for, I think it was 40 days. He's out there mocking them and mocking the men, the soldiers. These guys are supposed to be soldiers. And they're manly men, but except when it came to Goliath. You know, and that's what we're facing a lot of people in the world. They're manly men, but except when it comes to church. And, and so they, these guys were, they were, they were manly men. And they're, they're, but when it came to Goliath, they were nervous. But then a little guy like David came and he said, I'm going to tell you, well, are you serious? You're going to let this guy mock our God? And he came and he was willing to risk his life to go and fight for the name of God. And I want to ask you, men, are you willing to do the same? Or are you going to be like the soldiers that were nervous and scared to fight? And that's what we're, we're, we're faced with today. We're faced with many men that are just nervous about Goliath. Goliath can be taken down through God by any man that's willing to have the faith to go and conquer those giants. Are you willing to do that? Number four in the, in the uh, five qualities of a flourishing Christian family is be strong. Be strong, it says here in verse 13. Be strong. Show that you are brave or strong. When people look at your Christian life or your family, do they see a brave and strong Christian in front of them? They see a brave and strong Christian family. 
Is there any difference between you and the other homes around you? That's a, that's a hard question. Is there any difference between you and your home compared to the homes around you that, that aren't maybe not, not Christians? There should be. The people around you should think to themselves, there's something different about them. There's something different about those people. And the way they work, the ha- way they handle their, their jobs, the way they handle their marriage, the way they handle their children, there's something different about them. And it should be attractive to them to think, what's different? As Christians, we're supposed to be different, but not in a weird sense, in a sense of, wow, there's something special about that family. I want to know more. That's what God's called us to be, is be different in this world, be lights in this world. And we can, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I can't do that. You can do it. You can do it through Christ. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's even have a God-centered family. That's even focusing on, on, on serving God and being strong in the faith. When I was in kindergarten, well, I had two years. I was one of those guys that had two years of kindergarten. Anybody else in here, two years of kindergarten? Where the teacher loved me so much, right? That's why you have two years. And it wasn't like a K4, K5 thing. It was a, back when I was in school, they had a K5, okay? That was it, or whatever it was. And so I was in kindergarten for two years. First year, I, I like to spend time under the tables, okay? I'm just going to say that. It was, it was, I was eating the snacks, and it was, it was one of those things. I was getting in trouble because there was kids, and if you do this with your kids, please don't do this, okay? And I'm not trying to condemn you. There was kids that would bring in celery with peanut butter in the center. Sounds innocent and fun, but not when it comes to a kid that's never heard of that, right? You know what I'm saying? And then they would bring in this celery with peanut butter, and I would lick that peanut butter right out, and I'd throw the celery in the trash. My kindergarten teacher, my kindergarten teacher grabbed the celery out of the trash can and then had it in a napkin and made me eat it, and made me eat that thing. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It was terrible. And so I struggled through kindergarten, okay? I couldn't tie my shoe the first year. My mom even signed a paper saying that they could spank me as much as they wanted to. Can you believe that? I'm like, this is ridiculous. I hate this place. I hate they make me, eat, make me eat celery. They're spanking me. And this is what is this? What is this? It was horrible. And you know, I liked recess. That was okay. As long as I could get outside and run away from them. You know what I mean? That was fun. But my second year of kindergarten, they had this play. And I finally was, it was towards the end of the second year of kindergarten. I was finally getting what it was supposed to be about. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, okay, I tie my shoe now. We're good. I can do this thing. And uh, I still tie it wrong. I'm just going to be honest with you. I tie my shoe wrong. I don't understand the whole bunny under the thing thing. I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. Uh, my grandma showed me. She said, make some loops. And I don't even know what I do. But I just, it's not the same as the other four in my family, okay? But my shoes get tied. I don't know. But anyways, it's different. And we all learn differently. But I was in kindergarten. And this, this uh, the, the teacher I had, I loved her to death. I really did. And she, she passed away when I was in the eighth grade or something. And she was such a special lady. She was the principal's husband or principal's wife, and she was just a sweet lady. But she had me in this play called uh, uh, Three Little Pigs. Did you ever hear of the Three Little Pigs? You guys heard of the Three Little Pigs? Three Little Pigs. The first house is hay, right? Second house is is uh, <clears throat> is sticks. The third house is bricks. Okay. So you got these three houses. My house was in the middle. I was the stick guy. Okay. Pretty sweet. Oh, not bad. Brown, nice brown house. My, my friend Brittany, her house was a, uh, a hay house. Okay. She had the hay house. And then my buddy Corey, his house was, was brick. You know, it was okay. But my stick house, I thought, was better. And so we, they made these houses. And we had this one kid. And actually, this one kid, the kid that was actually the wolf, and he was one of those kids that nobody really liked him. You know what I mean? So it was the perfect role for this kid named Richard. And Richard had this role. And he was just a kind of a mean kid. And so he had the role of the wolf. And, and uh, so we did this play. It was during our kindergarten graduation. And I remember Richard came over. And, 
And he was coming at Brittany's house. And he said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And all of a sudden, uh, Brittany's hay house fell on the ground. Wow, that's devastating. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, your little pig, she squealed, squealed and ran. She ran over to my house. I said, get out of here. This is my house. And she came in my stick house. I figured I better help my friend. She came in my stick house. We're in the house together. And Richard came over. And I said, Richard, don't even try it. You know what I'm saying? Don't try it. And he said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. He knocked my, my stick house over. I punched him in the face. I'm kidding. I didn't. But he, I, he knocked my stick house over. We ran out of there, went over to the brick house, and we went in Corey's house. And we were safe. And he, he said, I, I, I huff and I puff and I blow your house down and nothing happened. And we were safe. And that was a fun little play, right? Fun little neat thing. But this is such a great example of, of life because so many people are making the, and building their houses out of hay. Mm. You know, we build our houses out of hay or we build our houses, maybe we build it out of stick. It looks a little better. We're not that hay house over there. And we compare ourselves. We're like, well, at least we're not the hay house. So not, are not as bad as them. You know, at least we, we, we won't ever be able to reach that brick house because they're just, you know, they're just too good. Or they start judging the people in the brick house. Well, they just think they're better than everybody else. And that's what we do. Instead of, instead of us finding out ways and thinking about ways and praying about ways that we could build our house as brick. And we set our house up where it's going to fall. It can get hurt with just the easiest gust of wind. I want to encourage you to build a home that's strong. You know, the, Jesus gave us a, a great parable in Matthew chapter 7. And he, in verses 24 through 27, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. And beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That should be our, our desire for our home, for our family to build our house upon a rock. And when the devil attacks, we're ready. We're ready. To, we have it built. We have our family built that we can fight against these things. And it says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know, we get to decide, am I going to build my house again? Am I going to build my house on solid foundation, or am I going to build my house on a foundation that's just going to crumble? And we get to make that decision. As men and women, we get to make that decision. Even if you're an individual that's a single adult, or you're, you're a young, young person, you get to decide in your own life where am I going to build my house? You know, I had a lot of family that I watched them build their houses on sand. And they've crumbled. And they have lives that are just destructive and destroyed because of money, because of anger and bitterness and addictions and all kinds of stuff. And I, and I got to learn from that. And I want to encourage you to learn from the people that have gone before you and decide, I'm not going to have that life. You've got to make a decision for yourself. Am I going to live that way and go down that path? Or am I going to build it on a firm foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ? You've got to make that decision. Will you make the decision to be strong? And the last thing is, be loving. Be loving. It says in this last part, it says, Let all your things be done with charity. What does that say there? Does it say just a couple things? A few things? I'm going to be loving when I feel like it? It says, let all... 
Let's say that one more time. Understand, you need to understand this because sometimes we're loving whenever that person's loving to us. We're loving whenever we feel like it. We're loving when everything's going good. We need to be loving in all things. And I'm telling you, it's not easy, right? It's not easy all the time to be, be loving. I had a professor in college tell my wife and I, and we laugh about this because, and maybe this is you, maybe it is, okay? But the majority of families, the husbands and wives that get married, you're taking two totally, I said about this this morning, two totally different people and sticking them in a house together. There's going to be some problems sometimes, okay? There's going to be some differences. My wife was a pastor's kid, grew up, listening to her parents, doing what they told her to do. Good kid, good in school, awesome. Me, complete opposite, okay? Complete opposite. I'm on the sand. I was crumbling. And I, you know, so we put, put us together in a house together, and we had to learn our way through that thing. And we're still learning, okay? Still working through it. We had to figure it out. And, and you know, this professor one time told us in college, he, we were getting... Uh, um, our marriage, marriage, uh, premarital counseling, uh, for, for, before we got married, my, my father-in-law was doing the, uh, the wedding in Pennsylvania. We were living in Jacksonville, Florida, and this professor, he was able to do our premarital counseling. We went in, sat down with him. He said, my wife and I, we just have never, we've never had a fight. I'm like, you have eight kids. There's one time or another you had a fight. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You had a fight. I've seen, I love my in-laws, and they're great people. They've had fights. You know, I've seen many people. They, you're not, maybe not fights. Maybe there's just an argument, a, a disagreement. Let's call it something simple. We had a little disagreement, okay? You're not going to agree on everything. You're not always going to be g- great with your spouse. Things are not always going to be wonderful. But if you trust God and you work through it through God, you'll be able to work through things. And your responses, when you learn to have responses of love, and, and care about that and put your selfish, that's one thing about marriage, putting your selfish desires and wants and needs behind you and focusing on them. And it's hard to learn these things. And this is what this verse is talking about. Let all your things be done with charity. It's us deciding, I'm going to put my selfish stuff behind me and I'm going to love the people that God's placed in my home and around me. I'm going to love them as much as I'm physically able to. And then beyond that, I can do more through Christ. And I can love my kids. I can love my wife. We can make it through whatever struggles and trials that we might have. You know, being, being a parent is not easy. Being a grandparent sometimes is not easy in situations. Being a husband or wife sometimes is not easy. But through God, you can do it. And through God, you can be the loving person you're called to be. You're not responsible for responses of other people around you. You're responsible for your responses and how you handle things. Are you willing to let love flow through you? Fill your home with love. Love God. Love God first. If you're not loving God, you're not going to love other people. Love God. Love your spouse. Love your children. Love others. Love your friends. Be known as a loving person. What a great way to be known. They're a loving person. I had an uncle one time that he was an old grouch, okay? He lived next door to us growing up, and I loved... I loved his wife, my Aunt Joyce, but my Uncle Ray was just one of those guys that he was just a grouch, okay? Just a grouch all the time. And guess who had to preach his funeral when he died? I did. What do you say about a guy that was a grouch and yelled at you a lot when you were a kid? I didn't really know what to say. And so I had to focus on maybe some of the stuff that I heard he did good, but I had to focus on God's love, right? Because sometimes there's people in life that are hard to love. 
And if you have an Uncle Ray like I did, and I'm not condemning him, but he was just one of those people, hard to love. And maybe you're around somebody like that. You're thinking about that person right now. Just love him and do what you can to be that loving person. Your job's to be that loving person. You know, the church in Corinth was struggling. They, they, the church in, in, in the United States, it's, it's struggling too, as we can see. It's, it's a struggling thing. You can see it all over our nation. But it's never too late to turn back to Christ with your personal life and with your home. You know, look, at verses, look down at verses 23 and 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, we, we get to go on. We hear what we're supposed to do in verses 13 and 14 how we're supposed to watch and stand fast in the faith and quit you like men and be strong and let all your things be done with charity. But then Paul finishes it in saying, you know, God's grace is with you. Through Jesus, you can, do, you, can, you can live a life that's peaceful through God, walk with God. You can trust God. He'll be there with you. And, and God's love is with you. He says, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. We can be a loving people. And, and honestly, we can have God's love in us and through us and with us. While you live in this world and while you strive to love God, love your family, live for God, remember to abide in the grace and love of Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. He really does. And through him, we can be watchful. We can be steadfast. We can be courageous. We can be strong. And we can be loving. Now, I want to ask you this last question. What areas do you need to work on in your family? Don't leave tonight without making a decision to do something different in the way maybe you've been handling your marriage, your home, or even your individual life. How have you been responding to people? How have you been acting around people? I want to encourage you. Everybody please stand with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed.